Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Today's buzz content. Ooh, such a big word. Hey, we're all bombarded daily by the moment by a constant deluge of marketing content, most of which rarely works its intended magic. Do you yawn or do you scream when it goes splat in front of you, whether it's on paper or it's in front of you e-content? In fact, there's so much bad content out there that people are writing about how bad it is. It has spawned its own content marketing industry, I think. Let me give you a couple examples. Shareaholic posted a blog entitled, the good, the bad, and the ugly of content marketing in 2013, identifying 25 of the best and worst trends in content marketing that year. On January 10th, 2013, the same year, Slideshow, Slideshare featured a presentation called, pardon my French, Crap, Why the Single <laughs> Biggest Threat to Content Marketing is... Content marketing. Wow, that's a tautology. And a few weeks ago, on April 10th, 2014, Social Marketing 101 featured an article called Four Reasons Why Social Network Marketing is a Bad Content Strategy. That's sure getting down to brass tacks. Well, guess what? If you're among the thousands of marketing writers who are perpetrating reams and what I call e-reams, a boring, forgettable content that's very likely harming your brand, it's time to admit it, step up, and get help. And guess what? We've got help for you today. Listen up for insider tips that are going to help to boost your messaging to memorable, experience-rich, relevant, actionable communication gems. That's what you want, whether it's your own company or you're a hired hand writing for someone else. Our topic today, social and content marketing, relishing relevance and we all love relish it's summertime let me start off my panel with returning guest jeremy epstein he's vp of marketing at sprinkler and he sent me the following quote from the recently departed maya angelou i've learned that people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel welcome back to coffee break with game changers how are you jeremy epstein Hey, Bonnie, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me again. Wonderful. Talk to me. We're on part two of our social and content marketing topic. So much to talk about in part one. I had to invite you all back. So tell me this Maya Angelou quote. How does this relate to our relishing relevance? Yeah, no, it's, it's an honor to be here, and I'm glad you uh, invited the, the, you got the crew back together again. Um, you know, Maya uh, Angelou is obviously inspiration for many, many people, but I thought that quote really kind of summed up where we are in sort of the evolution of, of business, which is, you know, people's expectations of uh, <clears throat> their interactions with <clears throat> each other and with companies has really gotten to the point where it's, it's, you know, the expectation is much more social. And when you think about the relationships you have with, you know, with your friends or with your colleagues, what are the things that really um, make a, a lasting impression? And, and, and how do we as marketers really live up to that level of making people remember us by paying attention to how they feel? And um, it's not about sort of the, the ceaseless banter of, of marketing of, of yesteryear or, um, you know, just, you know, saying stuff that, that we can't be held accountable for because we're all accountable for it in the age of social. So um, as content marketers, as social marketers, we just have to really think about what is that experience for our customer 
at any touch point with the organization, um, and how are we going to do something that makes the person walk away saying, yes, I feel better about SAP, I feel better about Sprinkler, I feel better about the United States government, whatever it is, because that experience sticks with them, and in the age of social, they're going to talk about it with their friends and with their social network at a massive scale. Thank you, Jeremy. Good introduction to our topic, and thank you for your gracious thank you for inviting you back. Of course, we invited you back. And joining you on the panel is a panelist from the first time around, and her name is Kari Anderson. I'm always delighted to speak with Kari. She's the author of Moving from Me to We. That kind of says it all. And SayItBetter.com. And here's a quote in her own words. Start with the specific customer story then end with a specific product benefit that made it possible, not the reverse. Words of wisdom. Kari Anderson, how are you today? Quite well, thank you. Thanks for joining me again. So, Kari, tell me about this quote. What are we talking about here? Well, my take on content marketing is whenever I hear that word, it makes me leery. So I'm glad we're talking about relevance. I was thinking of Danny Alves, the um, Brazilian soccer player, um, who had a banana thrown at his foot in the middle of of a game, and he picked it up, took a bite, and kept on playing. I believe it's how we (laughs) respond quickly to a situation to represent a trait that relates to the brand. And I think that it would behoove a lot of companies to um, piggyback on top of stories that are already happening, incidents, crises, celebrations, and to cite specific ways that they can be supportive of it. Um, and so I say get specific sooner. And, Jeremy, there's one part I think some customers in some situations don't want to socially engage a lot, but they do want it to be relevant to their specific need and situation. So sometimes they just want to get get it done, uh, find out what they want real quickly. I don't think that's antisocial. I just think it's get specific sooner about the relevant detail that that person in that situation might want. And that's the journalist in me about cutting to the chase, I think. But that shows warmth. That shows caring. I recommend a book called The Human Brand, and it follows up with what Amy Cuddy at Harvard said, show warmth first and then competence. And the best way to show warmth is that you see the situation their way and you're serving them their way. Thank you, Kari. Kari Jeremy, any any quick comment back? <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, Jeremy. No, I was going to say she could she couldn't be more right about that because that's exactly what Angelo is saying, which is remember how you made them feel. Which is if my expectation is to go in and you know get out really quickly, like your expectation when you go to McDonald's is go in, get your food, and get out. It's not to have a three hour sit down meal. So Kari's a hundred percent right. You you made them feel by not delivering on the expectation that it would be a quick interaction, you made them feel like you don't care about them because that's their expectation. She could not be more right about that. I'm glad you two agree. That's a good start. And let's bring on our third panelist, also a returnee by merit, Tim Clark, award-winning blog father. I think we have to have a movie on that, Tim. He's the head of brand journalism at SAP and my colleague on the news services team. And Tim is quoting Leonardo da Vinci, harking back to hundreds of years ago. And the quote is, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Wonderful. Tim Clark, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing good, Bonnie. Thanks. And um, I think the reason why I am returning is because I made you an offer you couldn't refuse in typical blog father fashion. <laughs> um, I kid, I kid. 
Um, I really, really liked uh, your opening salvo and the remarks of Kari and uh, Jeremy certainly ring true with everything that I'm seeing. Um, and I, do, I, I feel like, you know, in our last discussion, we didn't really dive into simplicity too, too much. Um, mm. But I think that that is sort of like the next layer down from, uh, you know, relevance and less is more and that type of thing. And, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with Carrie. You know, you, you hear the word content marketing and sometimes you kind of shudder a little bit, at least I do. Um, and, again, maybe that's just the, the, the journalist in me. Um, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure how we got to this point. How did we get to this point where it's okay that we, we feel like it's okay that we just kind of farm everything out and outsource everything and ghostwriting is like this normal, everyday occurrence? Um, I don't know how that happened, how our tolerance to that has been so hardened that we just accept it as a part of everyday work life now. And I think that's kind of a shame, you know, and I think that that actually is, uh, you know, something we need to talk about today a little bit. I mean, there's so many different content marketing companies popping up that are promising to be like, you know, your, your one-stop shop for everything. And, uh, you know, the, the concept probably does sound simple, but I, I think if you dig a little bit deeper, it actually isn't that simple. I think it's actually creating more layers between you and your brand, and you're not getting the content mm-hmm. that you're going to really need. You know, I don't think there's really mm-hmm. anything simple about that. And... I think further to that, I'd really like to see, um, you know, less of a reliance on on this white paper mentality. I think we're all kind of, you know, addicted to white papers. You know, content marketing seems to be so much about, you know, quote-unquote thought leadership and um, white papers. And I don't think that that's simple. I think that that's old school. I think that that, um, you know, I think as Jeremy maybe said, it kind of harkens back to, to another era, perhaps, um, that isn't relevant for today's audience. You know, we need real stories from real people. That's true thought leadership. It doesn't come from uh, an agency. It doesn't come from somebody else's research. Yes, you can use that certainly to support some of your points, but I would rather much see, uh, you know, real people from inside the company telling true stories about the brand. Mm -hmm. Kari, you wanted to comment on Tim? Oh, I'm a big... um advocate of employees as brand ambassadors and having bounded and unbounded ways that they've got guidelines, but they can be specific, authentic, um, and relevant in the moment. So Mm -hmm. I I jump on that with both of them. Mm -hmm. I think it teaches us to be pithy with the points and the sequence, like steps across the pond. What do we say first that ties in with what that person just said, that customer, and reinforce what it relates to another customer's suggestion. Mm-hmm. The syntax is lacking there. Excuse me. <laughs> all good all good points. Tim, I wanted to make a comment uh, talking about farming out writing. I'm just going to go out on a limb here or a ledge perhaps and say we've given people permission to say that they are writers. We've given them free blog space. We've given them all <laughs> kinds of social media. We've said, okay, anybody can write. Go out and tell us what's on your mind. And they are the good, the bad, and the ugly. And some of them get hired for it without the background, without the pedigree, without understanding what they're supposed to or what they should be thinking about first. 
before they write. In other words, they write and ask for forgiveness before they ask for permission in the first place. Uh, the other point was you said, Tim, getting away from the white paper mentality. Yes, we all worked on those for years, and I, I'm going to go out on another limb and be a little <laughs> sacrilegious and say that's why God invented SAP Game Changers Radio, because we're <laughs> we're talking. We're real people. I've got Jeremy Epstein from Sprinkler. I've got Kari Anderson from SayItBetter.com, and Tim Clark from Brand Journalism at SAP. What a better way for the three of you to carry your message than here on live radio that's being recorded and we can just tell the world, hey, listen up. There is a better way. Am I going out on a limb, Tim, or will you agree with me? No, I absolutely (laughs) agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, um, again, it it doesn't really, uh, you're right. I think over the past couple of years, it's sort of been like the Wild West. You know, we're just telling everyone to be social and get out there and be more social. I think managers are challenging their employees and putting it in their KPIs to be more social. You need to write, you know, five blogs by this point, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and that, that should never ever really come to that. You should never think of, you know, writing, you know, brand um, journalism, brand ambassador type projects as just, you know, ticking off a box. Uh, again, we're talking about authenticity. We're talking about. Um, writing stories that, that really matter and, again, that are simple, easy to understand and, um, again, shouldn't really have to rely on a third party. If you have, if you have to go down that route, and, again, I know it's, it's prevalent everywhere, mm-hmm. um, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. You know, you talk about the good and the bad and the ugly. Well, if you eliminate all of the people who are doing the ghostwriting thing, I mean, that would take out a nice chunk of uh, all of this bad content we're talking about now, wouldn't it? Yes, and the employment rate would plunge. What can I tell you? <laughs> think think about in the 90s when we brought on programs like uh, PageMaker and Quark Express and everybody decided they were a designer. Mm-hmm. We've all we're all old enough to live through that. I know Jeremy certainly did. Think about all of the places that say be a singer or be a comedian. We'll teach you how in 3 weeks all the bad comedy and all the horrible singers who have been empowered to think they're great. I rest my case. I gave up singing a long time ago. I have a very hard question for my panel. We've been skating along on what you know. Now I have something I want to know. What's in your cup today? You saw this coming. Jeremy Epstein, tell me where you're calling from and what are you drinking today or what do you wish you were drinking right now? Jeremy? Yeah, I'm uh, calling from uh, beautiful Silver Spring, Maryland, right outside of Washington, uh, D.C., nation's capital. And uh, I'm actually drinking my uh, French press uh, dark roast Starbucks brand coffee uh, soy latte so there you go Ooh, sounds good I imagine your weather's a little like here on Long Island we're in between rain and gloom and ah, the sun's kind of not there and the clouds are getting gray and OMG a little chilly not air conditioning weather but what can I say Kari Anderson where are you calling from and what's in your cup today Oh, I'm calling from Sausalito in my home office out looking at the glistening bay in Angel Island. But I'm having, speaking of tech companies and so on, my favorite Phil's Coffee, which I first heard about, of course, in San Francisco when I was meeting with these startups. And they said, we need a break. Let's go to Phil's. (laughs) P-H-I-L-Z. Okay, P-H-I-L-Z. We've heard that one. Thank you very much. Tim Clark, what drinkest thou? Uh, my drink is now, um, unfortunately I made a bad mistake this morning in trying to uh, start one of these detox drinks and it wasn't very tasty so I didn't finish it and dumped it out and <laughs> proceeded to um, drink my regular boring, you know, paper filtered uh, store brand coffee. 
I'm totally with Jeremy, though. I love French press coffee, but I read that it uh, raises your bad cholesterol, so I stopped drinking it. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. And I wonder if a ghostwriter wrote that article, Tim. Well, I wonder I if I... did, because then I would go back to drinking French press. Absolutely. There you go. I'm yeah, in your man, corner, honey. You're killing me, man. No, that's a I... drink. <laughs> I ruined Jeremy's face. Sorry, Jeremy. You, you know what? Over. I saw a video, and all these coffee experts were like, uh, French press is the best way. you got to send it to me. You're going to destroy my world. But that's what you do, I guess. It's right hey. marketing on we don't have to believe everything we read. I rest my case. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. In case you're keeping count, let's see. I think we're up to episode number 138 in a little series I started in October 2011. My, how time flies. Delighted to be speaking with a wonderful panel. Great words of wisdom. Be ready. You're going to learn a lot from Jeremy Epstein, VP of Marketing at Sprinkler. Kari Anderson. Kari, I finally learned how to pronounce your name without notes. <laughs> Author of Moving from Me to We and sayitbetter.com, and Tim Clark, the blog father. I keep wanting to say godfather, and you wouldn't mind. Head of brand journalism at SAP, a well-deserved title. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, happy to be here. Our topic today, social and content marketing, part two, relishing relevance, getting ready for barbecue season. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. Welcome back. This is Social and Content Marketing Part 2. We're calling this episode Relishing Relevance. Oh, I like that. Makes me think of a barbecue. I already said that. Jeremy Epstein, Marketing VP at Sprinkler. Let's kick off our roundtable. We're going to try and go 30 minutes straight through, no breaks. Let's talk about the following notes you sent me, Jeremy. You said it's only through a singular, unified view of the customer at every touch point that you can be a world-class social content marketer. Marketer. Got a lot of meat on the bones there, Jeremy. So why don't we first talk about the possibility of getting that singular unified view of the customer at every touch point. Then we'll go to the second part. Jeremy, why don't you lead this part for us? 
Yeah, sure. Well, full disclosure, obviously, I, uh, I have skin in this particular game because this is what Sprinkler does. Um, and basically what we're, the, the challenge we're looking to uh, help large organizations solve, particularly as uh, it, customers and people have become more social, more mobile, is making sure that you're able to keep that consistent view that it's Bonnie uh, interacting with you, right? If, if mm-hmm. Bonnie uh, buys a product in your store, um, the next week uh, has an issue, tweets your customer care team about that issue, uh, maybe calls into your call center, um, and then returns that product. As a marketer, wouldn't you want to know all of that before you made a promotion to Bonnie that she should buy that same product? But we do that all the time. We can't do that in a social world because Bonnie, the socially empowered customer, is going to say, wait a second, Company X, don't you know that I just bought this product and I hated it and that's why I returned it? How can you not be aware of that? And then you tell all of your friends how uh, lack of care, how much, how little care that company has for you, which comes back to the, the Maya Angelou tweet. Because mm-hmm. customers are now uh, empowered and they're able to share their experiences that they have all across the organization, not just that they have with marketing, but with you know PR, with the HR team, with, uh, you know, with your customer care team, with the receptionist at your front desk, whatever, in a way that they never were able to before, it is incumbent upon the marketer to have a record of those, inner, of those conversations, know who these people are, and use all of that knowledge, just as we would in our individual uh, relationships, to offer the most relevant content, the most relevant experience at that time based on um, that understanding of that person's interactions with the brand, not just with the marketing function. And Jeremy, I would say they have to care first and they have to figure out how to be aware second. I rest my case. Kari Anderson, comments on what Jeremy just put on the table. Oh, I just loved it. I, I, I feel so strongly about it. I've actually recommended his company to two of my clients for that reason. It just astounds me um, talking as a consumer, but the incidents he said where um, letting us opt in to say what we want more of, what we bought over time, what the changes that we want. And they say, if they said, okay, we'll take that advice, um, something that involves us in an appropriate way and shows us they're serving us in the ways that we value and they respond to it. Um, it's interesting, I have a friend, Wendy Lee, at Get Satisfaction, to talk about how consistently bad reviews certain companies are getting in hostile ways. And because they're monopolies or sort of monopolies, they think mm-hmm. they don't have to. Um, so someone who travels a lot, I'm always surprised how rare it is how hotels um, don't customize some service and they're starting to. But to me, it's three parts going back to utility. It's are you giving me the service I want, the way I want, in the mode, social mode, and um, when I want. And Mm -hmm. I think that, as Jeremy says, the bar is going to get higher and higher as one competitor more highly customizes the appropriate, transparent way that they're serving me and getting to know me. 
Kari, who has to be the person who cares about all of this? That's my concern. We're talking about, in many cases, I believe we're all referencing big companies. I call them the big behemoths. They've got tens of thousands of employees. Maybe they have 20 to 100 retail locations. They've got people working for them. They, they don't have a clue who these people are on a very local basis. How do you make them care so that let's go back to the person who's writing the content for that company when they make a promise and they say, we'll treat you well, that they can they can hold on that promise. They can deliver it because they know everybody in the company cares. How do we bring it back up through the company? Any thoughts on that? Well, the early coverage of social has been social media externally facing, and we're talking about marketing here. And I mm-hmm. believe the laggard in it, um, with some wonderful exceptions, has been how you um, socially structure the operations of a company across sectors so that everybody has apt information so it's not just um, from the marketing, as Jeremy said. It's where we're learning from each other to have a more streamlined process internally and externally. So I, I would think that there's going to be more operationalizing of social structures inside the company so that they do have that uh, more clear-focused, consistent form of service and selling. Thank it's you, Kari. inside out, the system inside it's going to be radically changed, I believe, in each industry as one company does it. And that can happen for companies of all sizes. It's technologically possible. It's just a cultural thing for mm-hmm. tech companies to be able to communicate in layman's language to, to make the sell to those companies of smaller sizes. Good points. Tim Clark, thoughts? A lot of meat on the bones here. What do you have to say? Um, I, I definitely agree with, with uh both uh, Carrie and uh, Jeremy's thoughts. I mean, certainly a singular view of the customer is something that resonates deeply more than ever with uh, SAP, for instance. Uh, last week at Sapphire Now, our customer event, uh, SAP's customer event, um, you know, our CEO, Bill McDermott, came charging out of the gates, you know, uh, with this new mantra of run simple. And certainly, um, you know, the digital experience for the customer as they, the SAP customer, just using SAP as an example, mm-hmm. um, you know, they can't get that, that good singular view of us and what we're trying to uh, convey to the world to help them uh, run better and all that good stuff. They cannot uh, get that nice singular view from us even if we have, you know, multiple websites, you know, hundreds of destinations that they um, – might stumble across and get different information that all has a different look and feel. Um, that's not really the name of the game anymore. Um, and I don't think that that's such a bad thing to sort of corral this, all of this great content into more focused areas at least. For someone like SAP, we've got so many lines of business and products and things like that that I think it would be unrealistic to just kind of corral everyone into one funnel. Uh, but at the same time, um, there is a lot of really good work underway to sort of, um, you know, again, provide a more simple, singular view to our customers so that it is easier to do business. Um, and I think if you were to uh, take that and combine it with something like employee brand journalism versus just sort of blasting people out with, you know, content marketing assets, you know, willy-nilly, Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good, powerful combination, right? You've got a, wow, a more yes. established, you know, singular channel. You've got good content that's coming from employees who know the company best. And I think that's, well, I know for a fact that's that's at least where SAP is headed. 
Kari, any thoughts? I heard you chiming in there. Sorry, I interrupted. Yes. And I thought Bill really embodied it in that talk. Yeah. The run simple, the examples he gave, the specific examples proved the general conclusion about where he was. So he was, he was doing that kind of journalism in a way from the stage there. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, any thoughts on this before I go in a slightly different direction? Jeremy Epstein? No, I mean, I think uh, I just feel bad that I wasn't invited to Sapphire, Timmy. I, <laughs> um... I wasn't either. Don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I'm going to shut up because I didn't get to see him do all of his magic, but I better be there next year or else, Tim. You're going to have uh, – you might have wake up with a come sort of virtual horse's head in your bed. <laughs> Tim, Tim Clark has been oh, put no. on notice. I want to go – I want to dive a little deeper into the point of – what content marketing should be, social and marketing content. I want to talk to Kari Anderson on a new conversation thread. We may, we're talking about simplicity. Well, Kari has a very interesting way of putting it. She told me before the show, her marketing tips are, it should be like a classic Japanese room that has no extra pieces in it. And then she takes this one step further. Kari says, deliver content with the words, the images and or the video that most helps them picture themselves using your product, but with no extra detail or images. That sounds like less is more, which was the subtitle of our part one of this topic. Kari, talk to me. Whose Japanese room are we talking about? Paint us a picture. What does it look like? Um, well, it's the most classic of styles because when they put things in, they then stare as a group and see what pieces can we take out. So there's more white space, just like a good ad, or more blank space. Um, I heartily agree with Mr. Clark. Um, but when you're talking about a message for people, since there is evidence of shorter attention spans and motion attracts attention and motion evokes emotion, I think we're going to see a lot more um, information offered that's a combination of text, words, and images and shows someone that looks like me in the situation that I'd be considering if I was to buy it. And that's a tall order in a way. But I think it's going to be a combination of co-creatives to show those scenes and those sequences uh, and to tag them and make them findable. So I think that's going to be a, a new sort of field in brevity. When I say brevity, I'm talking about one to two minutes max. And, yep. But but that it pulls them to the longer form. Since I'm an advocate of longer forms, and, and I'm from what I've read and learned about Jeremy and Tim, they are too, it's to get people so interested, steps across the pond, that they want to learn more. And there's reference to what that first um, text image video thing was, as they read the longer piece or see longer pieces. But there's also a moment of engagement where they can add to it, uh, as Peter Guber said in Tell to Win, and make it a part of a story they want to share. They can, there's a way they can digitally grab it and share it with other people. Kari, isn't that what Twitter does so well? It forces you to put a message in a very few number of characters, and then if you put a link, that's the longer form. Am I interpreting your remarks correctly in that direction? Right. I think that's the easiest, but I think there's a devaluing when it's just likes. So that's the starting point. But I believe going back to the previous point about a single overall context, point of contact, the way we're um, trying to be congruent in our brand, 
I think if brands do this well, they can do it from their site and share it on other sites and have other mm-hmm. people want to add to it and share it and have a life of its own. So it may Very be good point. on Twitter. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of Twitter, but it may not start or stop there. Great, great point. That's a great piece of advice. Jeremy Epstein, thoughts on what Kari just shared? I'm sure you have some reference point from Sprinkler Vantage Point. Yeah, no, definitely a couple things. Uh, I'm also a big uh, Tell to Win fan. I really enjoyed um, that book. I, I think uh, Kari hit on a couple uh, really uh, critical ideas um, there might be one angle where I, I, I might have the potential audacity to disagree with her, but then I'm sure she'll put me back in my place. So I'm, I'm I love it when I'm people gone. disagree. Jeremy, we love disagreements because yeah. it raises the bar for the audience, so go yeah. for it. There we go. Well, let me start off with where I agree. I mean, I, I definitely love the idea. I actually call it the Hansel and Gretel approach, where you're just putting down crumbs along the way to continue that building that relationship and earning that permission from that very short piece into longer and longer pieces. I definitely see that as critical. Like you, you can't just say, here's my 57-page white paper or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're off and running. you got to figure out a way to earn that attention and earn that permission. Um, so I, I couldn't agree uh, more with that. I mean, I think the two areas where I might – Sort of disagree is, it, and, and that maybe one of one and a half is one is sort of like the the over um, commoditization or simplification or almost reducing the common lowest common denominator of the headline. And I think you know you see this on sort of like the BuzzFeed and Upworthy kind of stuff where it's just you know we all fall for it, but sort of that almost cheapens it, kind of like the likes to some expe- uh, respect. So there's sort of a balance there of of how you go about with that Hansel and Gretel approach. The one area where I think you, you have a little bit more liberty, and it kind of comes back to what we talked about before, is if you've done a good job of <clears throat> profiling and understanding your community and you know who the people are and you've, you've analyzed the kind of things that they engage with, um, that uh, you know domain knowledge, historical knowledge, relationship knowledge, like, you have a better sense of the kind of things that they're looking for. So you don't always have to follow the sort of the same template. You can kind of say, okay, you know, with engineers in, you know, the the technology industry, you know, we can start off with a four-page thing or a ten-page thing or they want something like that. That's one. And the second thing is, you know, we we don't want to lose sight of one of the most powerful drivers of, of content, which is, you know, the referral from a friend. And it's not just the click share here. It's people like, sending you links. Like I have a friend, he sends me you know, three Wall Street Journal articles a week, and he just says, here's a link, you should read it. I don't even think twice. I click on it, and I'm going to read the whole article because I trust mm-hmm. his judgment so much. I don't even need to read it. I just know I'm, gonna, I'm already prepared to invest however long the article is. So I think there's that element of sort of the referral network. So maybe I'm not disagreeing with Kari at all, um, but I did really sort of maybe just want to carve out that there there are certain areas where I think if you if you sort of bring the friend the community the relationship into it, you can you know maybe deviate a little bit uh, from sort of that um, that that recipe if it does make sense for that audience. So, Kari, put me in my place. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Go ahead, Kari. Characterization. Well, when you say buzz <laughs> and upworthy, they're link bait. I'm talking about a relevant. Um, headline, and I'm talking about a format of the three media. Um, And going back to classic journalism, in the pyramid style of a news article, all the key things are in the first paragraph. 
So what I'm talking about is something where people see the situation with which they can identify, get pulled through those steps to longer. So we don't disagree in a way. I just don't think it has to be, quote, link bait, because those are extreme and often not relevant headlines. And I don't think there has to be one template. But I do think the co-creation of something that people can see and click on might be worthwhile. That's all. Good points. Tim, Tim, I want to, you know what, we're going to take a break in about eight minutes and I want to bring in another, a segue to another direction here. Uh, Tim Clark, I'm going to call on you to start this conversation thread if okay with you. You can't say no, you can't say no. Here, it, the point you sent me before, <laughs> yeah, this is live. The point you sent me before the show, very interesting. Quality over quantity mm-hmm. and measurement expectations. Do we need to course correct? Let's talk about quality over quantity because I sense that this empowerment I mentioned before, everybody can tweet, everybody can have a Facebook page, everybody can get a blog, yada, yada, yada. I think quantity has overtaken any sense of what quality is. So let's give some lessons here on why quality over quantity and how do you aspire to and reach what's known as quality. Tim Clark? Yeah, well, you know, I think, um, I, certainly I think we've all kind of fallen into this trap of just measuring page views, and it, it certainly is a really, really important metric. It's kind of the basis of, you know, my entire job and career, to be honest with you. But um, it's just really all about taking a, a deeper look into those page views um, I'd much, much rather see one blog post that, you know, generates, you know, 30,000 views as opposed to, you know, a bunch more that try to aspire to reach that amount. Um, I think it, it, it just adds to the chaos and the noise when you're just trying to stuff the ballot box with all of this different content in the name of, you know, just pumping up the, the page views of your channel or your destination. That's just the wrong way to go. I think we need to try to keep an eye on certainly healthy page views but maybe let's let's think about what some of those outcomes are from your content you know um, and you know if let's say for instance a certain piece of content maybe doesn't get a lot of page views well let's let's take a look at what it really did I mean we had an example recently where uh, we wrote a I, uh, one of our writers wrote something pretty interesting about electronic tattoos you know is that like the, the future of, of tracking all things and it was actually picked up by CNN.com. Uh, they featured it on one of their stories. Wow. So mm. that's kind of interesting when you start thinking about the effectiveness of content in that way as just opposed to looking at, you know, your monthly metrics, you know. I think that's far more interesting. I think that's far more valuable to a brand when you start looking at what content, good content, quality content can do as opposed to just, you know, again, going the ghost-written uh, route or um, doing the volume play. Um, it never really it out. doesn't really seem that effective. So that's, you know, we have all kinds of different examples of how our content has uh, kind of resonated with other audiences. And if I may, just give you one more example. Please, you know, please um, go ahead. Uh, when we, you know, three years ago, we piloted this SAP voice channel on Forbes. And, um, you know, much to the chagrin of the industry, colleagues, you name it, uh, everybody kind of thought this was sort of like the death of journalism and, you know, why are publishers and advertisers getting into bed together, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're way, way, way past that phase because we focused on quality over quantity with this initiative. 
And we take a lot of care, as Kari has said, about, you know, crafting, you know, interesting headlines, or Jeremy, you said it as well. So, um, and, and sticking to the tenets of, of true journalism, to, to, you know, having all of the proper news points in the front of the story, but also kind of backing into stories, right? If something interesting yeah. is happening out there in pop culture, if there's a, you know, a way that SAP can, can, can talk about this in an intelligent way and tie back to our business, we're there. We're absolutely there. We're going to write a story about it. And you know what? That's what's going to go viral. And that has absolutely nothing to do with quantity. That's all quality. Tim, who has to get this message? You've given a very important message, as have Kari and and Jeremy. Who inside an organization, let's say a a high-end SME, small to mid-sized enterprise, the mediums, the bigs, the behemoth companies, who has to understand that numbers of clicks or page views or downloads, that cannot be the rule anymore. It has to be based on resonating and being relevant and respectful to your audience and lean and simple where does this lesson have to go how high up we're talking cmos we're talking about ceos who has to listen carefully to the words of wisdom of my three panelists today to make it better to go in the right direction tim um i think definitely uh the c-suite you know certainly the cmo in our case uh it's jonathan becker who um you know, we've had the pleasure of having his, uh, you know, blessing on a lot of the, you know, interesting and, and somewhat risky content marketing, you know, um, efforts, if you want to call it that. You know, we, we've had his full backing, and he wants to see more of it. And he, he often questions us, you know, do we need to, to readjust our, um, you know, uh, our metrics? Um, are we looking at the wrong things? You know, again, it re- and, and Jonathan talks about this a lot. He talks about ego metrics, you know. Uh, again, we fall prey to it every single day. It certainly makes me feel good if one of my posts does well and goes viral or hits number one or what have you. Um, but at some point, we do need to look at what is the overall impact. Certainly, there's a nice ground cover that that is providing, a nice brand lift that is providing. Um, but if you can share more of these uh, individual stories, like I mentioned, the CNN one, there's other examples, too. I mean, we hit number one across all of Forbes. You know, we've done that multiple times. Those are the types of stories I think you need to, to share back up to uh, senior executives so that they understand that this isn't just about page views. Thank you, Tim. Jeremy, I'm sure you have some interesting perspective on this. I'll give you a minute because we're going to go to break soon. What are your thoughts on where does the message have to go? How high up does the lesson need to be learned to be effective? Yeah, no, definitely has to go high up. I would agree that the C-suite's critical, but also one player that I think um, has a very critical role to play in this and sometimes doesn't get the, uh, the attention that he or she deserves, and that's the CIO. Um, you know, there's been a huge amount of uh, attention to, you know, the buying power of the CMO and, you know, that's where everything's happening. But the risk in sometimes uh, a CMO you know, will purchase uh, technology, make decisions that reinforce sort of the marketing function silo, which is understandable given his or her focus. But the CIO is going to be the person who's going to say, wait a second, we have to have that singular view of the customer, and we have to be able to move that data and information all across the enterprise. I'm the the guy or the gal who who knows how to do that. We need to think uh, enterprise-wide with our architecture. In fact, we just... Um, has signed a, a new 
financial services client uh, over, you know, seven figures where uh, the CIO and the CMO um, partnered, partnered together uh, very carefully to make it work because they both understood we need to do this um, for the health of the organization in the social age. So uh, definitely C-level, but I, I think the CIO partnering with other C-level executives is going to be a key player. That's provocative. Appreciate that. Kari, I'll give you 30 seconds to tag on to those thoughts. Agree, disagree, C-suite, CMO, CIO. Who, do you, who are you interested in? I think it has to be across the whole C-suite, and the more they have um, conversations where they learn more about each other's function. I agree with everything they both said, especially when Bill was talking about the thoughtfulness, the value of something. It's not just the number of views, but who it touched and, respond, and, and they responded to it. Okay, thank you very much. Guess what? You've all worked very hard on our nonstop roundtable. I'm going to give you a break, about 90 seconds, to gather your thoughts. And I'd like Jeremy Epstein at Sprinkler, Kari Anderson at Moving From Me to We and SayItBetter.com, and Tim Clark, the blog father in Brand Journalism at SAP. I'd like you to go out and find the crystal ball. You know, is it in the attic, the back of the trunk, the back of the boat, the car, wherever it is, the basement? Polish it off. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you a very important question, social and content marketing relishing relevance in 2020 because we know that's the year hindsight will rule 2020 will relishing relevance be sweet will people get the message and be doing content marketing the right way that's a provocative question i'm bonnie d graham you're listening to coffee break with game changers we'll be right back with predictions and they will be sweet don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial brad out business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision making in real time no matter where they are sap and sybase and sap company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to sap systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Thank you very much for sticking around. We have the prediction segment coming up, but first I have some shout-outs to do. We have been tweeting a lot of Twitter activity today at hashtag SAP Radio. You can spell the rest of that. Jeremy Epstein at Sprinkler, he can talk and tweet at the same time, even if it's just a retweet. Thank you for that, Jeremy. We have somebody at Sprinkler, S-P-R-I-L. S-P-R-I-N-K-L-R, who has been tweeting words of wisdom. Of course, we have Malcolm Kimberlin at SAP and SAP underscore radio also tweeting along during the party. Jeremy Epstein said to me on the break, this is more like a party than a radio show. Yes, it is, because you're all authentic in the moment, and you're talking about a subject about which you're all passionate, and that's why we're having so much fun. Jeremy, speaking of whom, I'd like you to start us off on our crystal ball round with predictions. Our topic is... Is social and content marketing relishing relevance? Will the relevance be sweet? Will the social and content marketing not be going so much splat and ug and yawn? Will it be hitting the mark and making us buy more, enjoy more, and giving us a better relationship with more brands in 2020? But I'm leading the witness. Jeremy Epstein, go ahead. I'll give you two minutes. Yeah, you definitely led the witness there a little bit, Bonnie. But uh, <laughs> since it's your courtroom, you can do that. Um, you, <laughs> you know, I, I think we we probably won't even be calling it content marketing. Um, it'll just be the way that, you know, one organization relates to the people associated with that organization. You know, it's about, like I said, the friend of mine who shares me, uh, shares articles from the Wall Street Journal, he says, read this. I just read it because I trust him. So the, the brands, and I believe SAP will be one of them as long as you got the blog father working for you, you know, yeah. you'll have... Uh, people who say, okay, if it's coming from SAP, I know they knew who I am. I know they understand what I care about. They're sending me stuff that is going to make me better, smarter, faster, and they're doing it to Kyrie's point in a way that's uh, respective of whatever time constraints that I'm working under, um, and that's going to be the nature of the relationships. Uh, what probably um, will also not be around are a bunch of large, medium, and small companies that don't understand that and cannot change. And they will uh, go the way of the dinosaurs, and we'll see companies disappear. So, um, all right, well, maybe I went a little bit above and said, and said we won't call it content marketing. They probably will, but it'll be more, um, you know, how do we, you know, manage experiences um, for our audience, um, and content in all of its forms will be a part of that, and we'll just make sure that we're optimizing those experiences across um, every touch point. Um, and using what we know about our relationships. So that that's what I would expect to see. Jeremy, if I were to push you to the edge of that prediction and say if it's not going to be called content marketing and if it's not going to be experience marketing, is there another word or another label that comes to mind you'd like to put out there as a real prediction? Any thoughts quickly? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't even call it experience marketing. I'd call it experience management. You know, it's, okay. it's how do you manage to, and optimize those experiences using content, using, uh, um, you know, all the other the things in your, uh, in your sort of, uh, you know, toolbox, as it were, to have people, and let's bring it full circle to how we started with Maya Angelou. So have people remember how they felt when they interacted with you so that you can always make them feel better about the relationship with you because it's the sum of those experiences that with every brand that is the brand in the mind of every customer. So I think that's what will be more about experience management uh, across all the touch points than a specific type of marketing. Jeremy, that was beautiful. 
that was really beautiful the way you put that. We're gonna have, I'm gonna have to listen to the replay and, and tweet that or write a blog about it. Be careful now. And Kari Anderson. I know, I know. That's what I want. Kari Anderson, it's your turn. You're up for predictions 2020. What do you see, Kari? I agree with what Jeremy said, and I may, it may not be experience management. It won't be content. It, it may be experience engagement. It's like water to fish. It'll be so pervasively a part of us. I believe that there's going to be such a blending um, of processes within organizations. It's going to happen faster because there's going to be more um, social monitoring in real time. So bad news, good news, untruth, truth will be going so fast. The flow and the interactions is going to be happening much faster. So I think that's going to be the huge shift in what we currently call content. It's the exchange of those messages and the observation of what's happening. So I think some companies will be momentarily aligned. Some, what Tim was saying earlier about some events, will be piggybacking on those events as a way to um, share our perspective authentically. And I think sometimes we'll be doing messaging that relates to larger issues that aren't directly related to the company, but they do at some way reflect the values of the company as it differentiates itself from others. Thank you, Kari. Wonderful. And let's turn to Tim Clark. Tim, I can give you uh, just about two minutes. Yep, two minutes. Take it. Go ahead. Um, I'll just repeat what Jeremy said. No, I'm kidding. Um, No, I think that, um, you know, I don't really have problems with the term content marketing or native advertising or any of this other kind of stuff. What I am, I guess, kind of disappointed in is that people are just so hung up on the fact that it is that. They are so infatuated with the buzzword that, you know, you are seeing, um, again, these content farms pop up all over the place. Um, I think in the interest of just maybe, you know, being there for a larger corporation who doesn't want to even think about doing some of the more, uh, I guess, tactical down-to-earth things that maybe they should be doing, i.e. employee brand journalism. So I think um, we will actually see those terms disappear. I think we will see um, everything that we're kind of talking about today kind of saturate and permeate uh, the corporate life and, and life in general. I mean, certainly we've, we've proved that out and we've, we've participated in that actively on uh, the Forbes channel that we run. We pay to be there. We are a paid advertiser to produce content and publish it on the Forbes site uh, but we did it in a way that made sense to the company, and we did it in a way that made sense to the audience. And as a result, we are seeing great results. And um, I guess, as Kari kind of said, you know, everything's kind of blending together. And I think that that is okay. I think we can continue to sort of have this kumbaya moment with, you know, mm. publishers, advertisers, content creators, and we all kind of get together and uh, figure this out. Um, in the case of Forbes, you know, we are tagged as being an advertiser. So we and and people don't mind that if the content is good, they will share it, they will talk about it, you know, they will reference it if the content is good, knowing full well again that we are advertisers. And I think we'll continue to see more of that type of, I guess, content marketing. We're going to see more sponsored content, if you want to call it that. And I think the relevance of uh, going back to the singular point of view for. I guess all, I mean, certainly for employees and for their customers. Um, I think the, the, the importance of a brand newsroom is going to become even more relevant. I mean, 
certainly we're trying our best to corral all of these little microsites and things across SAP, um, we have to do it. I mean, that is the way forward. We want to drive people to a more singular view uh, to get more accurate information and, um, and to feel good about the company, knowing that we aren't um, just going crazy and building stuff for the sake of building stuff. We have Tim, to... I- Tim, I feel really good about your predictions, and I'm out of time. Forgive me, please. I want to thank Jeremy Epstein at Sprinkler, Kari Anderson at Say It Better, Tim Clark, the the blog father at SAP for great content. Thank you to Sprinkler and Malcolm Kimberlin, Jeremy Epstein, and Kari Anderson for tweeting, and to Brad and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air. I'll be back next Tuesday with the final episode of Season 2 of HR Trends with Game Changers. And, of course, we'll be back here on Coffee Break with Game Changers next Wednesday, 8 a.m., Pacific on the Business Channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.